Well, welcome to the 200th episode of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Josh Elledge. I'm the founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, growing their authority, helping them build partnerships, helping them grow revenue. We build sales systems. We turn entrepreneurs and help them go from invisible to being seen and celebrated because we believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Listen, we are right now gearing up for our next 200 episodes every single day. We've got a daily founder story full of inspiration. You're going to learn great tips from them. Uh, We would love to have you as a guest. All you got to do is simply go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest and please let us share you with our audience. We have over 120,000 fans on the socials and combined listening to this podcast, visitors to the website. We want to promote the great work that you are doing. So just stick around to the end of the show where I'm going to reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15, 20 minutes. Let's get going with the 200th episode of The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. And with us right now, we've got Peck Pongpat. And Peck, you are the founder and CEO of Impeccable. And you actually have a really interesting background. And people may be familiar with your Mortal Kombat moves as as a little bit of a teaser. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, Pleasure to be on the show, Josh. Yes. uh, So a little bit about uh, my history. I used to be I'm a pretty serious martial artist, and so at some point I got recruited. I, do- I heard about the auditioning that was happening at the Mortal Kombat video games where they were starting to use motion capture as a tool to capture the movements instead of yeah. uh, keyframing or hand animating the, the movements of the, the video game characters. So I heard about that, went to audition, did my moves. At that point, I was pretty serious martial artist in Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I did a demo uh, demonstration for Ed Boon, the creator of Mortal Kombat. Uh, he liked my moves, so ever since then, I would just get a call and <laughs> you know get a get a list of moves, get get the you know kind of script, a rough script of the the fight scene or the the trailer that they were working on, the cut scene oh essentially. And uh, yeah, we get the move list for the characters, and I would just execute those moves uh, in my motion capture suit in the motion capture room, and uh, yeah, did, did that for ten years, spanning six six games: Mortal Kombat, Deadly Alliance, Deception, Armageddon, Shaolin Monks, uh, MK versus DC Universe, and Mortal Kombat: The Reboot. Yeah. Wow. And so, so you were actually like wearing the green suits with the little white balls on it? Uh, yeah, black, black. So yeah. I would call it, you know, my analogy is it's like a wetsuit made of Velcro. And then they would attach these reflective dots on it that the infrared cameras would pick up. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. gosh. So, uh, so did you have a favorite move that uh, of everything <laughs> that you did? You know, I had a lot of fun, you know, like I, I love doing, you know, obviously I love the jump kicks and kind of like the big, big cool movements. Uh, one, one fun part that I, um, episode that I, I recall that was cool to shoot or interesting to shoot was in MK versus DC universe. I also played Superman. And if you ever played Superman in those games, he, he looks like he's floating. He doesn't walk. He's, you know, cause he can fly. So he's always levitating. Yeah. And, and the way we did that was, you know, I'm a, 
they had two really big guys on e- one on each side of me, kind of just lifting me, so my feet were never touching the ground. Well, oh my gosh, those moves that was that was funny. Um, that kind of like one of those memorable things. <laughs> so would you do would you do all of the finish him moves as well? No, no, they kind of did that in house. Yeah, they, they kind of like you know, like we we were you know martial artists, so we did the 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 actual martial arts moves. Yeah, to make it right. real to make it look real. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, so you're doing that, and then uh, so talk about what you do with Impeccable today. Sure. So Impeccable is a world class product agency digital design so anything that has nowadays a digital screen name you know most commonly uh mobile phones so mobile apps web applications uh smart watches smart tvs in car you know digital experiences we we are just help with creating those experiences mm-hmm. so we'll design those we'll engineer those those types of experiences and we do those for brands global brands like google nike adobe samsung we work with, you know, kind of those, those type of clientele. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. How did you get to that level of client? And when you, when you started off, so you've been at the helm of Impeccable for quite some time. Uh, let's see, you launched in October, 2012. So yeah, yeah, over seven, seven years. years. Yeah, we just turned seven uh, last month. And uh, we, it was great celebration because we were on the Inc. 5000 two years in a row. That's actually where I met you, right, Josh? Yeah. Uh, and just last month, uh, Silicon Valley Business Journal also, um, so, uh, not, we were on the list of uh, Silicon Valley Business Journal's uh, top fastest growing private, you know, Silicon Valley companies, uh, top 20 Silicon Valley companies in the Bay Area under 50 million. So they have two lists, over 50 million under, and we were one of the fastest growing private uh, in, in Silicon Valley. So that was yeah. cool too. Uh, how do we get started? So I've yeah. always been in technology. I have a computer engineering degree uh, from Chicago. Uh, and that was like over 20 years ago. So I'm like a little old now. And uh, so I've always worked in technology for 20 years, and but I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to uh, have my own company. That's uh, So I've lived in Chicago for, for most of uh, a good chunk of my uh, adult life. Uh, but I've always been a tech guy. I've always been a startup guy. And I thought, okay, I really want to, I should move out to the Bay Area to, to try to go at this. So I moved out here uh, 11 years ago, uh, no, uh, nine years ago. And then about, uh, about a bit over a year, I started Impeccable, which uh, at the time was, I started actually as a freelancer doing both design and engineering. So at, at some point during my career as an engineer, I transitioned to being a, a designer, so software designer, meaning like I would design the interfaces rather than code them. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was where my passion was, my true calling. Uh, this was around the time of Apple's resurgence. So Steve Jobs kind of went back to Apple and all these products started, to, Apple products started to get better. Um, that was around the time that I thought, you know, that's, that's really where I can have an impact on the customer, you know, like designing how the product works. And that really, um, I was actually also more natural and better at it uh, just from, you know, kind of as, as an individual, I had more a natural talent to design interfaces versus, you know, being yeah. an okay engineer. Yeah. Yeah, right. So um, when you look at 
websites today, um, there's a lot of bad design out there. And I think there's a lot of outdated design. Um, what are some of the biggest things that you see pretty commonly that, that, that you wish folks would be like, hey, you, know, you should probably update that. People don't really do that so much anymore. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think fast design is like fashion if we're talking mm-hmm. about visual design. So some of the stuff that was in vogue in, you know, the early 2000s, especially during Max Apple's resurgence was this notion of skeuomorphism. So skeuomorphic design is basically mimicking the design of actual physical devices. That's right. Yeah. Right. Um, so like a calculator application look like a calculator, a notepad application look like a notepad. Uh, like that, that stuff doesn't, uh, you know, that's kind of not in vogue anymore. Right. Uh, so it's like you know, 3d like buttons and that's 3d sort of buttons, heavy drop shadows. So that's kind of from the visual perspective. Uh, what's, what's always going to be, uh, tried and true, uh, in terms of universal, design principles are like you always wanted to make it easy you you always want to add you know don't add a lot of friction when doing stuff so like if i want to if i'm running an e-commerce right things like hey don't make don't force me to have sign up for an account create you know a guest checkout experience or something you know don't don't make me do work uh you know if i'm designing a software product you know maybe like uh let me try the product out without a heavy commitment, you know, without signing up for an account, maybe give me a, a quick, easy free trial. So mm-hmm. basically removing friction to the customer is, is always going to be a universal principle. You know, some people, some companies want to ask a lot of questions up front before they kind of provide value. I think, you know, being you, you being a natural marketer, you provide a lot of free upfront value, you know, in terms of your marketing Yes. Uh, so you can think of design like that, you know, let it, of a product, give up a lot of free value uh, before giving, you know, before asking. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're seeing a lot of trends uh, with this. And in fact, um, I, I have a lot of connections in the marketing world and uh, Facebook, as of when we're recording this, by the time this airs, uh, this will probably it'll be very, very well known. But, you know, Facebook has even put out some signals and they have been. Uh, Listen, if you're just dumping people into a lead registration page and, you know, registering for webinars and it's anything that, you know, that's just really, really, you know, just a very, very shallow funnel, Facebook is not going to, they're going to make it really expensive, to use their platform. Um, they're, they're just trying hard to make it a better, better experience. And I think people are sick of being, you know, click on stuff and it's just, then they're just being sold to, um, it's a negative experience for Facebook and, and Google's right on board with that YouTube everywhere. So I think it's, it's just mandatory for marketers, you know, just create an amazing experience for people to get to know you give away, everything to the you know extent that you know people will finally make a decision on the things that you maybe you can't give away that involve right. you know too much of your team's time or that sort of thing right right yeah i think uh you know the product design principles is the same you know give give away as much as you can 
Uh, but but balance that with the needs of the business, right? Like giving away everything obviously is not a sustainable business model. But you know, like here is a great example uh, of a product design. So Zoom is free for up to forty five minutes. Yeah. Um, and they do that because um, what they've learned in building. So the, the founder, you know, before prior to starting Zoom, he has worked worked on a a conferencing solution that was acquired by by Cisco. Anyways, he you know during his tenure there, he learned that basically the average meeting time is was fifty minutes. So by guy kind of giving away up to where people you know kind of commonly get the most, you know, like it was a he knew that the conversion rate was high. So giving away for forty five minutes at a time as a free freemium lead gen was was an effective conversion tool. But you're still getting a lot of value, right? Like Zoom is a great tool of like getting 45 minutes out of it that's for not, and not having to pay anything. If you can keep that going, great, good for you. But if you need more than 45 minutes, then yeah, you should pay. You know, Slack is another one where, you know, we pay a lot of money for both today, Zoom and Slack. And it was great because, you know, brilliant marketing because, you know, we got that we live on Slack. And so if it was right out of the gate and you said, hey, here's a communications tool, um, give us $180 a month to use it right out of the gate, I'd be like, no, I, I, no, thanks. We'll find a different way to do that. But because they made Slack so indispensable to how my team communicates and eventually we're like, look, we're just we we have to upgrade at this point. It's yeah. it's too valuable to us not yeah. to upgrade. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. We you know, and it's it's orders of magnitudes more expensive than than some of the competing tools. And we tried to switch one one month. I was like, man, this is like so much more expensive. Can I just can we just try? We're not like swimming in money. Can we just yeah. try switching to another tool? In less than a month, people, I was having a mutiny. They, they said they would. <laughs> either pay for this themselves or if we won't and they'll just leave. That's, that wow. speaks to the, the product and the marketing. Yeah. The, the product really, wow. how, how, how much better the, the product is. So, yeah. So Peck, when you're meeting with companies like Google, Samsung, Nike, Honda, Hewlett Packard, I, I can keep going. Adobe, yeah. <laughs> Liberty Mutual, Panasonic, Whole Foods. Like, what are those meetings like? What are people talking about in regards to user interface and the user experience and design? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it all starts with the problem, right? User interface, improving the user interface has to have a goal. You know, doing a project has to have a goal. Uh, what do you have in mind? What are you looking to fix? What are you looking to improve? It's really about problem solving at the end of the day. Uh, user experience design is in the service of the customer of the business mm -hmm. in terms of either improving efficiencies, improving the customer experience, improving the customer journey, um, you know, so, or solving a problem. Yeah, what problem are we trying to solve? What goals are, you know, if, if somebody comes to us, hey, we just want to redesign this website. Well, our first problem, first question would be like, well, what's broken? You know, what do you want to fix or what do you want to achieve? Are signups not good? You know, are people not converting? People not sticking around? Is the application like, you know, is it people are just coming in and they don't know how to use it because it's not intuitive? Um, you know, 
So those are the things we're trying to, you know, pro- it's problem solving at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the sayings we have is, you know, and a lot of our work is actually not consumer facing, it's enterprise. Uh, so we're having a lot of these, these big brands. A lot of the work is enterprise B2B work, design work or enterprise application work. And, and a lot of these business processes that we're trying to translate into design are, are fairly complex. But we have a saying where the complex doesn't have to be complicated. You know, we can't always simplify the complex but we, doesn't, we don't have to make it complicated. And, and Peck, I guess I, I want to ask this question uh, a little bit differently. Um, who was your first big enterprise level client and, and how did you get their attention? That is, uh, that is a great, funny story. So in the beginning, early days of Impeccable, you know, I was a solo freelancer and then I built a small team around me, you know. In the early days, I think we finished the first year with kind of two two people working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we and you were you were office. serving smaller businesses at the time. A lot of right? yes, a lot of the time in the beginning, startups. You know, well, the problem with enterprises it takes sometimes several months. If you know, like like just Panasonic, for example, took a year to close. So you know, when uh-huh. you're small, when you're just you know, cash flow is very important. So. In the early days, we worked a lot with startups because you deal directly with the CEO. They can make a decision. They can write a check. Boom, it's, you know, the project's going. But how we landed our first customer, uh, enterprise customer in the early days, Aruba Networks, this is funny. This is very kind of happenstance. Basically, I was having a meeting with a customer at a coffee shop in Mountain View. So maybe, you know, location, location, location. Uh, Mountain View, California, you know, kind of like the heart of, you know, one of the kind of major hubs of Silicon Valley, uh, I was just discussing the project with the customer and mm-hmm. we were just kind of reviewing the project. And after he left, you know, the guy sitting next to me taps me on the shoulder. He says, excuse me, I couldn't help but over here, you know, do you do, you do design work? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we do the software design. And, you know, that's, I was just meeting with a customer. And it turns out he worked for Aruba Networks. He was just having coffee in the morning before he headed off to work. It's like, um, you know, I think we may need your help. So, so that's, Jeez. it was just happened to be a guy who worked at, you know, in a big enterprise having a coffee in the morning and I was just meeting a customer sitting next to him. So oh my, my <laughs> I had this idea of a growth hack where potentially, you know, I should just pretend I'm on a zoom meeting with customers <laughs> at coffee shops <laughs> talking about the work and yeah, meet, and meet having, right outside of Google headquarters or something at a Starbucks and yeah, yeah. And just, just start going about, on and on about like, Oh my gosh, can you believe this man? If only Google knew about this, but, right. You know, too bad they don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, 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 that was the growth hack idea. I never actually kind of implemented that, but anyways, yeah. that's how we got our first customer enterprise customer is wow. uh, just, just, just totally happenstance. But yeah. really, how we consistently do it nowadays, it's relationships, relationships, relationships. Yes. I, um, I, the saying I tell my people, when people are they're so impressed like yourselves, like, how do I, you know, I, I actually suck as a salesperson. I don't know how to sell to strangers. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know how to sell to a perfect stranger. So what I do is how I hack this is I create more relationships. I create, yeah. I, I increase my network. Um, you know, we're, we're just talking right now before the show, you know, and there's potential, you know, now that I have a relationship with you, there's potential for us to, you know, collaborate or, you know, your clients could potentially work with us. 
Yeah. And, and that's how it works in, in business, in, in kind of how I, I see business, especially with the enterprise. It's all about relationships. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you, I mean, obviously introductions really, really, you're, I'm sure you're very grateful for that. Uh, but, but how do you initiate a new, rela- what's the best way currently to initiate a new relationship, say with the head of, um, you know, you know, whoever's in charge of user experience at, um, you yeah. know, at Adobe, for example, like, do you, at some point, is there a cold outreach or what do you do to initiate that relationship? You know, some cold outreach has worked for a lot of people. You know, this is what works for me is is warm introductions, right? Oh, yeah. uh, so, you know, how we got, for example, Nike was an introduction from from Twilio. So Twilio is another big enterprise. Mm-hmm. You know, like Impeccable is small, right? Like uh, Impeccable, a lot of people have never heard of us, even though we do great work with great companies. But when you have an introduction, a solid introduction where, you know, a Nike comes along and says, hey, we have a problem with Twilio. You know, we want to implement Twilio. We don't have the resources. We don't know how to know how to do this. Who can, who, you know, I need your help. And Twilio says, you know, you got to talk to Impeccable. They've been mm. working with us for over five years. They're a gold partner. That, that adds instant, that's instant credibility. No right? Like I could, I could cold call all day long, you know, we're a tiny company, nobody's ever heard of us type of thing. Um, it's just an uphill battle. But when you have, uh, you know, what, a, essentially a channel partner, who is this big giant that says, oh, talk to these guys. It's just a, that introduction is, is, you know, invaluable. I don't even know how you, how you would measure that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one, one, you know, the way we got there, though, is by knowing their technology really well. Uh, is just knowing that their platform, knowing how to use their product. So, you know, as a small guy, you know, you, you kind of, my analogy is you you become the remora to the shark, right? <laughs> you, you, you attach yourself to this giant, uh, and, 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 uh, yeah, then, then you become their, you know, a trusted channel, a trusted partner that they, they could refer you to. Uh, you know, the other half of that is, you know, being good at what you do, being good at your craft. Yeah. That that the giants feel comfortable because it's their reputation at stake too. If they make that introduction and you fall flat, they they have egg on their face. So you have to know your stuff, uh, and you have to do a you know you have to deliver. Um, well, you are on the web pack, and it is impeccable, which of course is a play on your first name, uh, and that's I M P E K. A-B-L-E, impeccable.com. Uh, and um, so I think for a good study in, um, you know, seeing um, some examples, I mean, you've got a lot of case studies on here. Of course, it's, it's kind of impressive to, uh, you know, see all of the uh, clients that you've had the pleasure of working with. Um, but, uh, but Peck, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Again, Peck Punk, Pat, you're the um, founder of Impeccable and, uh, and CEO. I want to thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, 
tag us with the hashtag UpMyInfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.